Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Just take those old records off the shelf. I said, listen to my. Here's LeBron going for his first three. Nails it. LeBron James now has a quiet seven points, and the Cavaliers are five of ten from outside the arc. Wiggles inside, leaves his feet, ball deflected, grabbed by Cousins. Cousins drives strong, reaches with the left hand way too hard. Rebound to the Cavaliers. Here comes Kyrie Irving, accelerating, sets up the alley-oop. LeBron with a throwdown. Well, a lot of folks like to see that. LeBron James in his 14th year, and here's another terrible turnover by the Kings. Aaron Aflalo just lost the handle. Here comes Tristan Thompson into the lane. He scores it. And just like that, that 14-3 run is history. Kevin Love to LeBron. Quick tip pass over the shoulder to a cutting Kyrie Irving. That's as pretty as you'll ever see in NBA play. What great instincts by LeBron James on the tip pass over his shoulder to Kyrie Irving for the layup. Well, the Kings road trip will continue Wednesday in Cleveland against the defending NBA champs. That was highlights from the first time these two teams played back at Golden 1 Center, a game in which the Cavaliers came out swinging. Kings tried to come back but ultimately fell to the Cavs. And Kings get an angry Cavs team coming into this one as Sacramento finally got a win the other day against Detroit. We'll see if they can make it two straight or if their road struggles will continue. Welcome into Locked on Kings. I'm Jason Ross. Again, a daily podcast, Monday through Friday, every day, NBA and your Sacramento Kings. We are here for you. Let everybody know that we are out there on iTunes. Subscribe there. Leave us ratings and reviews. Also, Stitcher, Audio Boom, all the different ways you can find us and send us feedback on Twitter at JasonRoss1140 or email questions, jason.ross at cbsradio.com. Today on the podcast, we're going to check in with Kings, a sideline reporter from Comcast. Katie Christensen will join us. We'll look ahead to the Kings and Cavs and look back at the night in the NBA from Tuesday. But let's talk specifically about the Cavs first and foremost. Now 30-13 and 13 after their loss the other night. Now they've lost two of their last, or they've only won two of their last seven. So two and five. And that was a really bad loss two days ago in New Orleans. They played the Pelicans without Anthony Davis, Kyrie at 49, LeBron had a triple-double, Kevin Love had a near triple-double, and the Cavaliers lost. They had built a huge deficit, rallied back only to fall short. Still a great record and 19 at four at home. They're really, really good there. But afterwards, LeBron's frustrated. Players are frustrated. LeBron talking about how they need even more help. They need a playmaker. They got a lot of good things on that team, and they're going through one of those midseason ruts right now. And unfortunately, they may end up taking that out on the Sacramento Kings. And kind of speaking to that, uh, Coach Dave Yeager was on Sports 1140 KHK with Grant Napier, the television voice of the Kings, Doug Christie, former King, and talked about uh, the Cavs and that first meeting between the two teams. They did a, had a concerted effort, I thought, in our game uh, back home to get uh, Kyle Korver going, uh, ran him off some pin downs. And, uh, you know, he's he's elite at what he does. And it was gives a different dimension to um, to their team. And then something that's not talked about is, 
you know, Amon Shumpert comes out and goes four for five from three. You know, you're like, you have enough to deal with, right, Right. with Kyrie and with Love and and all this and that. And and so, God, what's come on, you know, we don't need that. So, you know, hopefully we we get a good performance and, you know, they're not too too fired up. But in a bigger scope of the discussion, we've caught a lot of teams this year with needing a win. Or we've caught teams coming out on a on a West Coast trip where they struggled a little bit coming in there, and you look at the schedule and you go, okay, we got to go to Golden State, we got to go, with, we're going to see the Clippers. Uh, this is one where we need to get this Kings game right here so that we can set the road trip up to you know you always try to see if you can go 500 on the road, right? And uh, the great teams are, are, do better than that. So uh, we've caught a lot of those teams this year, and I know we'll get their best shot tomorrow. Now, one sign of encouragement for Sacramento as of late, at least the most recent game, Willie Cauley-Stein played really, really well. And I hope we see more of him. Coach has already kind of alluded to in the past that Costa's kind of in front of him. It's hard to play all the bigs, but Willie got a performance, an opportunity to play, and put up a big performance. And Coach talked about Willie's game against Detroit. Well, I like a couple things that he does, and they're all related to motor. Uh, you know, a guy's drive to go and rebound out of your area. That means... You know, not as a rebound that's just maybe going to land on top of your head, but using your athleticism and your wingspan and getting off the floor and grabbing and snagging a ball that is not coming close to you, you go and get it. And I thought he he did that. And then, you know, he, he finished stronger around the rim. You know, he didn't clutch and dipsy-do. You know what I mean? He he went up strong with some tip-ins. Uh, he's been putting in his work. He's You know, you just got to keep staying with it and staying with it. Our coaches have been working with him, video and drills and, ball handling and, you know, stuff around the rim and all these things. And, and he's taken to it. He's, if he didn't do it himself, you know, we could, you know, you can drag a guy to do it, but um, he's taken it on himself. And I think, you know, he, he should feel good and gain some confidence going forward from that. And it's, it's tough on me because the league is playing smaller and smaller and smaller. And so Costa has a little bit more girth. He has more experience. And we're also playing DeMarcus at center uh, throughout a large part uh, of games. And so for various reasons you do that. And so there's sometimes where it's not that Willie is not playing well. It's just that it's very difficult to play, you know, a bunch of centers. Well, now the question is, can he repeat it? Let's hope so. If he gets an opportunity against uh, the Cavaliers, some stretch guys he may have to guard, guard a lot of different positions, and be aggressive offensively. If Willie can do that, there will be more minutes for him coming up. But right now, as we told you earlier on, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Kings with their television sideline reporter. That is Katie Christensen joining us now here on Locked on Kings. And Katie, I guess the first question I have for you tonight or today is, what does one do when they have to sit on an airplane for five plus hours just waiting to leave? Oh, man, Jay Ross, that was the worst. Um, I mean, it could be, it actually could have been worse. I mean, they kept uh, reassuring us that we were not going to leave until they got it fixed. And I was like, well, thank God, because the alternative is what? Gamble with our lives and just take (laughs) off to get there. Um, It was, it was a championship Sunday. So uh, I actually ended up FaceTiming for about half of the Packers Atlanta game with my nephew so I could watch it. You're trying to find out any way that you can to be able to watch the game. And that's what I was able to do for a little while. But finally, someone that had a, a phone that I could watch it on with the free service. Um, that's what I ended up doing to watch the second game. So it was it was a long, uh, long amount of time to sit there on the plane doing nothing. Yeah, I think I remember seeing a tweet that night back in Sacramento from Grant, which actually put it in pretty good perspective. He said, hey, I've, and he loves flying. As you know, he said, yeah. I'd, I'd rather be 
on the ground hoping to leave as opposed to being up in the air wishing I was on the ground. So at least safety was the most important thing. Yes, safety first. And yeah. we, we got there just fine. And and uh, we had le- actually left about an hour and a half later from the hotel than we were scheduled because fog was such an issue in Detroit. And um, normally we fly into Pontiac, which is much closer to Auburn Hills and where we stay. But because of the fog that night, we had to actually land in Detroit, and it was an hour bus ride from the airport to our hotel. So it was a very long evening, but we made it safely, and the Kings got a win, and so all is right in the world. Yeah, I'm going to ask you more about the Kings in a moment, but I'm always curious about travel stories because I know traveled in the WNBA as well. You played in it. You had commercial. <laughs> you Whether it was at Santa Barbara or overseas, where does this uh, rank as far as some of your travel oh. nightmares? Well, um, it's pretty low, actually, on the totem pole, really, if you think about it. Um, I probably, my worst travel experience ever was when I was playing in Russia. And when you get there, you have to, um, you have to travel out of the country to get a work visa so that you can play in Russia. So we originally were on a train. Um, it was me and one of the, the people that worked for the team. So we could go uh, out of the country to, we were going to Lithuania to get my travel visa and you go through multiple countries. Well, one of the countries that we were going through on the on the train, you needed a travel visa to go through the country. So they made us get off the train. We took a car to Minsk, uh, and then we had to um, drive from Minsk to Lithuania, if I'm correct. And then they're like, well, don't in order to get the paperwork in mints, they they've got my date of birth wrong on oh. it. So they're like, don't try coming back over the border in a car. So we had to fly back to Russia. It was just it was one of the worst things that I've ever been through. It was like that movie Planes, Trains and Automobiles. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sure he's seen it. That was probably the worst Um but I have had a 35-hour bus ride. Oh before. my goodness! Yeah, so that would probably go as number two on the list. So, How was that yeah, not number one? 35-hour bus ride? Uh, man, if if you could have at least you know that that's what it is going into it. But True. When you go into something on a train and you end up in a car and then your you know your travel papers get mixed up and then you're it was just that was a disaster. <laughs> so. Well, again, all those stories ended at least with everybody being safe. So that's the good thing. (laughs) Um, One of the things with your job, you get a chance normally to interview winning players from the Sacramento Kings. That hasn't happened for you very often lately, but it did Monday in Detroit. Why do you think it worked better, Katie, with the role players playing so well around DeMarcus Monday than maybe in Memphis or Chicago? Well, you know, I think that... Uh, it's been a bit of an adjustment since Rudy Gay went down with his Achilles injury. And I know that he had been out for some time before that, um, you know, for a a good chunk of time. Um, But it's different when a player is out with an injury versus when a player is out for a season, because there is a mental and kind of an emotional uh, aspect of that that doesn't factor in, you know, when someone's just sitting out, you know, on a day to day kind of status with an injury. So I think that the role players and the bench players and um, those guys played so well when Rudy was out, you know, initially with that hip flexor injury that he had. Um, but I think it took them a while just to kind of adjust to things emotionally and mentally to saying, okay, everything has changed now. 
Um, our roles have changed on top of that. Omri Caspi has been out. So they're very kind of short in that position overall. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of an opportunity for a lot of guys to step up and they're playing in different situations and with different groups of guys. What I liked in Detroit that I saw Coach Yeager do is instead of running DeMarcus Cousins kind of from the high post and, and using him as a facilitator there, he used him as a facilitator on the low block. And everyone cut really well and, and kind of they DeMarcus did a, a really good job of, of reading kind of different coverages and finding open people. And I think that is specifically what worked well in Detroit and everyone played really well off of him. So that was the difference to me. Do you think on what you last described playing him off the blo- lower block, does that benefit any one of his teammates more than the other? Or was it just because DeMarcus was passing so well and everybody was cutting so well? Well, it's different. It's it's different spacing on the floor um, because he is he, he, when they run him from the high post, they take the opportunity to also use him uh, a bit as a as a penetrator and to be able to have space to put the ball on the floor. So the team has to space out differently around him when they run him from the low block. It gives everyone else a lot more room to move and more freedom of movement. And it just changes the, the it changes the looks and the passing angles. But I will say this, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's much more tedious for DeMarcus to run it from the low post because you have to go down there, you have to establish, uh, you have to establish your position, which is with DeMarcus, it's always a very physical battle just to get position and get to this, the point where you can get a good pass from a teammate. And then from the low block, they're always going to bring, you know, one or two other guys. So he's going to see two or two or three guys kind of coming at him. And so it makes it more difficult for him not only to hold his position, but to make a good solid pass. And you you don't see, you know, double or triple teams coming at you on the high post because it's just too hard defensively for a team to cover. But, you know, DeMarcus's turnovers have been kind of high recently, but I don't think people are factoring in how much he is being used to facilitate the offense. And it's much different when you're doing it on the low post or as a post player like DeMarcus than when you're doing it as a point guard because you're not being doubled and triple teamed as a point guard. So uh, you're not having as, as many kind of different looks to deliver the ball effectively. As this trip continues, do you anticipate seeing more of Willie, more of Malachi? I thought those two guys, Willie yeah. specifically played his best game Monday. Uh, Malachi's been getting first quarter minutes and a little bit more meaningful minutes. you think we see that yeah. trend continuing? I do, and I think a lot of that is because of Rudy Gay's injury and Omri Gay or Omri Caspi being out as well with the uh, with the calf injury. Um, he's originally listed at one to two weeks, so I'm you know I think it could be another week or more before he gets back in the mix. But that does kind of shift people in terms of where they're playing and different positions and different groups. Um, he can go small or he can go big. But the important thing with those two specifically coming in and playing the way they have the last couple games is that they took advantage of the opportunity and they performed well. Um, So, you know, it's very easy for a coach, especially with a player that kind of isn't in the rotation as much or have fallen out of the rotation, like Willie, for example, to say, okay, well, it's been a while since I've gone to him, so I'm going to go and give him a chance. And if he immediately just kind of has a a, a poor or, un, you know, a forgettable 
um, kind of performance, you fall right back to where you were on the bench. But because both of them were given the opportunity and they performed well, I think it's something that, you know, it's, it's going to trigger in, in coach's head. Okay, well, let's go to them earlier or go to them more often and give them a, a couple more looks and put them in some different situations and see how they perform. Katie, I want to ask you about DeMarcus, not necessarily how he's playing, about him um, as a person. And, and what I'm going to ask it is in a way that sometimes when you think he's going to be 100% predictable, he's not. And I'm thinking about two <laughs> different situations. One, earlier this year, that weird scenario at home where I think he played his best game we'd ever seen. He got ejected. He came back in. He had the passionate interview with you afterwards. And then we had the other night in Chicago where everybody thought the call was wrong. It looked completely, the league is agreed. And I thought, oh boy, I can't wait for this postgame. He is going to let it rip. And then he went sarcastic. So I, 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 I can't figure out DeMarcus this, this far in. It's just, he's a little bit of a puzzle to me in those well, situations. The, the one at home against Portland when he had 55 and they won the game and it was that whole uh, ejection and then him coming back onto the floor, which none of us have. I mean, Gary Gerald and Jerry Reynolds yeah. who have been covering the NBA for years have never seen that. So that is just unprecedented that that even happened. But for him to have that response, that caught me very much off guard. Um, because I, you know, I'm sitting here and I, I talked to DeMarcus later about it kind of, um, you know, I want to say a week or so later and had a conversation with him and I'm like, you win a game, you score 55 and you're upset. What mm. in the world is wrong with you? You know, but he's so much ruled by his, his kind of passion and that can be a good and a bad thing. And so in that moment, I think he was just so entirely frustrated with the situation. And that kind of leads us ahead to, to Chicago in a way, mm -hmm. because he's, you know that he's on the phone all the time with Kiki Vanderway. That that call is something that is, he's probably getting on a very regular basis in terms of his demeanor and things that are happening with the officials. And so I, I, I'm I'm assuming at this point in the season he's like, okay, I can keep ramming my head against the wall, or I can just try the path of least resistance, which. It was sarcasm in that situation where it's like, nope, they got the call right, best call of the year, you know. <laughs> and so it's it's just easier to deal with that than continually fight something. It's a battle you're not going to win. A call is made. It's not going to be reversed. You complaining about it or you talking about it in the media is not going to help you down the road. So at some point, you, you just have to accept things for how they are. And there's one thing I don't think DeMarcus entirely understands. And I, I completely get where he's coming from and where he feels that, you know, the officials are out to get him. But what I don't think he understands is how difficult it is to officiate him specifically, mm. because he has a very rare game for, you know, the NBA game in 2017. He's very physical. It's a very throwback style where a lot of the game has gone to spacing and finesse and you just don't see that. And it, I think it is very difficult for officials to, you know, to, to kind of call a game like that. And you hear countless uh, coaches come in and make remarks about that specifically, about how difficult it is not only to guard him, but to figure out how the officials are going to call a game. Because you can't call, if, if you have a physical player, Jason, you can't blow the whistle and stop play every possession. So you have to figure out some kind of a of a happy medium to where things aren't out of hand, but there's flow to the game. Yeah, that's a good point. Really good point. Um, 
want to ask you about Cleveland. Next stop for the Kings. Uh, Cavs are not playing well. You can look at this one of two ways. They're not playing well. One, that's factually. Two, they're a team that usually plays really well at home, and they're the defending champs, and I anticipate them being pretty angry when they face the Kings. Last time they played, Katie, they, they really punched the Kings early and then just kind of hung on to that from the first quarter on. What do you expect for the Kings and the Cavs on Wednesday? Well, unfortunately, the Kings keep getting teams like Cleveland and Golden State after they've won a game. And you don't become a championship caliber team by winning uh, multiple or by losing multiple games in a row. I mean, it's very rare to see these guys, these teams lose two, three games in a row. And especially coming off of a loss in New Orleans to a team that's not very good and was without their star player in Anthony Davis, um, they're going to be very focused and, and ready to play. Um, but that's just, that's how, that's how you get to the point where you're, you know, winning championships mm-hmm. and winning titles and LeBron kind of expects and demands, um, the most from his teammates, probably more than any other player that I, I know in the league right now, he demands a lot from his team and they respond very well to it. So I expect them to be ready. The The one curious thing about, you know, Cleveland right now is, they they're the defending champs and you keep reading and you hear in the in the papers about how you know we we need a playmaker we still need you know it's like okay well you've you've got quite a good team but that's how you kind of stay at the top you know they acquired Kyle Korver and I think he adds a lot to the team but again it goes back to LeBron kind of demanding just perfection and he demands it from his teammates he demands it from the front office from his coaching staff it's very a very weird situation because I feel he more than anybody else in this league kind of runs the entire organization yeah yeah Yeah. no and you know one thing I thought of today I thought just they can't add anybody on a huge contract unless they deal some of their players so I don't think they want to do that don't you think a guy like Ty Lawson or Darren Collison could help them not that the I don't know if the Kings are even remotely interested but I could see those two veterans that are playmakers that are quick with the ball and they don't make a lot of money I think either one of those could help the Cavs yeah I mean as a backup yeah that that, and that's what they're looking for they need a backup and as you know injuries can play a play a part in everything and can either you know derail a season or if you stay healthy it can be the difference maker and I think they're actually a perfect example of that because you look a couple years ago what happened to Kyrie Irving and that Mm -hmm. that played a huge part in kind of how their season ended for them even though it ended you know fairly well by most team standards but you know J.R. Smith that's exactly why they've got you know Kyle Korver and probably dealt for him is because that thumb injury has him out for a while so every team is just one injury away from their season being derailed and if they do have a weak point you're right Jason it is at that backup point guard spot and it, it would be a player like Ty Lawson or Darren Collison in theory that they would be going for because both of them um, are are proven you know know point guards in in this league both of them have started um neither one of them is on a a contract that is you know unworkable or unmanageable um and you know you hear rumors all the time and I think Stan Van Gundy actually um put it I think it was Stan that put it this way um the other day he's like every single team you know they're lying to you if 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 you're saying that when you talk to a general manager that not, you know, it's like no one's untouchable ever. Mm-hmm. Every single team has players on it that they say are untouchable, but they absolutely are not. It's like someone 
came to Cleveland and said, we'll take LeBron. We'll give you Kevin Durant and, you know, Steph Curry. Are you trying to tell me Cleveland wouldn't do it? Sure. No. Yeah. So, but the reality of the situation is a lot of the deals that come to general managers are not feasible and they're kind of far-fetched and and out of the realm of possibility but yet these rumors still get out in the in the papers and and so you're going to hear rumors and i i kind of tend to ignore them you know the ricky rubio rumor Mm -hmm. has been going around we have heard darren collison's name in rumors you know we've it's just it's been ben mackamore's name's been in rumors for i don't know a couple years now it's just it's part of the game and I feel bad for the players because it's not an easy thing to do, but you just have to play through it. You have to play and, and let the business side handle the business side and you handle your side of things. All right. Last thing for you, Katie, we started with travel. I'm going to end with travel. You've got quite a journey because obviously the eight game road trip you're on with the team and you're in cities all over the place, but you have to continue on because you're going to do Super Bowl <laughs> coverage for the radio station as well. So how many bags, you know, how much gear do you have for this Ugh. entire trip? Yeah, I have two bags and which is, is fine. Um, I mean, they're pretty good. I have one garment bag that normally I travel with that, you know, you can hang up your clothes in, but you can also throw other stuff in. I can't fit anything else in it except for clothes. (laughs) Um, and then I have another bag that has, you know, some kind of casual clothes and, uh, shoes and toiletries. They're both very heavy. So I'm, it's, it's okay dealing with it and, you know, lugging it around on, on the team plane. And when it's, you know, a chart flight it's sure. going to be interesting coming back I, I wonder how heavy my bags are that's my question when i fly back commercially back next week yeah you'll find out if you have to pay you'll know how heavy <laughs> yeah, i know hey i'll expense it if i have to because always I, you know what i'm not the one that decided to be on the road for over two weeks <laughs> good point put that on someone else's bill no doubt yeah <laughs> well katie keep up the great work thank you for checking in with us and uh, we'll talk to you when you get back no problem jay ross i'll be seeing you Well, my thanks to Katie Christensen joining us on Locked on Kings. Now let's look at the Tuesday night in the NBA. You had the Spurs getting a win over Toronto. They go to 36-9. Blake returned for the Clippers. Uh, He had a double-double in limited minutes, but they lost in Philadelphia. How about the Sixers now? 16 wins, 16-27, and as they keep climbing up the Eastern Conference playoff picture, or the standings, I should say. Wizards go five above 500 with a 15-point home win over Boston. Bulls took care of the Magic. The Nuggets, another quality win. They were 10 better than Utah. And then the finish of the night. You never know. That's the beauty of the NBA. You never know what can happen. Two of the bottom feeders in the Western Conference, Timberwolves and Suns. Let's cue up my guy, Alan Horton, with the call. 111-110, Phoenix by one. Ricky with it up top. Looks to the right side and Wiggins. Wiggins against Tucker. Puts it on the floor. Got bumped. No call. Rises up for the 18-footer and hits it at the buzzer. Andrew Wiggins wins it for the Wolves. He drained it from 18 feet out on the right side. He is mobbed at midcourt. Andrew Wiggins with a buzzer beater in Phoenix. The officials are going to look things over, but it's not going to matter. The Wolves are going to come out of here with a 1-12-1-11 victory. How about that? Well, that right there, courtesy of the Timberwolves Radio Network. We'll see what Wednesday has in store in the NBA, including the Kings and Cavs. We'll be back tomorrow to give you another recap of that and look ahead to much more. Again, each and every day, we are here for you, talking NBA, talking Sacramento Kings. So follow us on and subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, all the different ways, and let everybody else know out, we're out there, a daily podcast regarding 
the Sacramento Kings. But we do thank you, and thanks again to Katie Christensen for joining us on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.